Ellie Krug. Ellie 2.0 Radio, how are you? Speaking to you one day post St. Patrick's Day. Uh, talking to you from the bunker in uh, lovely Eden Prairie, Minnesota. I am thrilled to be here, as I always am, talking with you yet again. And thank you for making the time to listen. Whether you're listening to me on Saturday, you know, the 18th or some other day when this goes into podcast. I appreciate it always. We have a great show. The big interview is an encore of my interview from early last year of Kelsey Waits. She is, uh, she was um, a candidate for the school board in Hastings, Minnesota. She was running for re-election. And then during the course of the campaign, her, her transgender child was outed by intolerant people. Um, and she ended up losing the election and ended up having to move from Hastings and 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 you'll you know it's a very powerful interview and Kelsey Waits is a stoic, um, incredible person and uh, so uh, you'll like that interview all over again. Okay, in the C block, I'll talk about uh, a hodgepodge of several things, all related to my work as an idealist. But let us begin with this week's featured idealist, someone whose idealism has spilled onto the national consciousness. In a big way, like even as we speak, I'm talking about Michaela Kavanaugh, a Nebraska state senator who is single-handedly, single-handedly grinded the, the, the Nebraska legislature to a halt. Remember, Nebraska is the only state with a unicameral legislature com- comprised of a single house of both state senators and representatives. Bar. And in this legislative year, there are uh, 17 Democrats and 32 Republicans in the Nebraska legislature. Thus, um, a filibuster is the only way that a Democrat might be able to make an impact. And to explain, Senator Michaela Kavanaugh has been filibustering um, LB 574, a proposed bill to ban gender-affirming care for transgender youth under age 19 in Nebraska. Uh, she began the filibuster on February 23rd, and you're going to hear from her in a second about that. And in doing so, she has she has prevented the Minnesota, the, not the Minnesota, the Nebraska legislature from getting any work done. One person. Who is this incredible human, Michaela Kavanaugh, an idealist? To begin, she comes from a political family. She was born in Washington, D.C. when her father, Joseph Kavanaugh III, served in the U.S. Congress. Michaela also has a Minnesota connection, believe it or not. She is a 2001 graduate of the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul. Um, Michaela's brother, John Kavanaugh, is also a Nebraska state senator. And Michaela was first elected to represent Nebraska's 6th legislative district in, uh, in Omaha, it's her, her district is in Omaha in 2018, winning by less than two points. 2022, she was re- reelected by 11 points. And before this season's filibuster, uh, Michaela was already a maverick, pushing for paid family leave and the creation of a private lactation room in the Nebraska State Capitol in Lincoln. To make her point about the lactation room, Michaela <laughs> breastfed her newborn child on the Capitol floor. I mean, this is a human you don't fool around with. 
Michaela's filibuster of LB 574, as I said, began on February 23rd. And it persisted until Thursday, two days ago, when Michaela indicated that she would end the filibuster if the Speaker of the Legislature was willing to put LB 574 up for debate. Because the thing was about this getting uh, put into committee and then galvanized through committee. She wants it on the floor to debate it. So Kavanaugh has indicated that if the bill dies in committee after the debate, uh, she'll you know end all efforts to filibuster. Now, it's fairly rare that we get to see idealists in action as vividly as Michaela Kavanaugh. And here is her opening salvo against the anti-trans uh, affirming uh, gender affirming care bill. You're going to hear her, hear her words, and you're going to you're going to really like this lady. Go ahead. You can decide. You can talk to the speaker, and you can say, "Listen, LB five forty seven is the priority of this legislature, or it's not." But if this legislature collectively decides that legislating hate against children is our priority, then I am going to make it painful, painful for everyone. Because if you want to inflict pain upon our children, I am going to inflict pain upon this body. And I have nothing, nothing but time And I am going to use all of it. If people think that they're going to wear me down, if yesterday didn't show you that you can't wear me down, you cannot wear me down. I literally left the floor yesterday, went up to my office, and laid down on the floor. I laid down on the floor, hard floor, and took a 20-minute nap before going to committee hearings. You cannot stop me. I will not be stopped. So, if LB 574 gets an early floor debate and moves forward, it will be very painful for this body. Yeah, that was an idealist speaking. You just heard it (laughs) in real time. (laughs) And true to her word, Michaela... Uh, for the past three weeks until Thursday, I mean, uh, the bill come up for a, a debate next uh, on Tuesday coming up. She filibustered by spending days in in Nebraska. The let, uh, the debate hours are eight hours during the day. For eight hours per day for the last three weeks, she's been talking about such things as her favorite Girl Scout cookies, Omaha's best donuts, and the plots of animated children's movies. She's done this by making amendment after amendment to every bill that makes it to the legislature's floor, taking up debate hours, uh, debate eight hours per day. And she has suffered in the process. I mean, doing it even, doing a filibuster, even when she had strep throat. And as a March 14th AP story by uh, Marjorie Beck notes, Michaela's filibuster has extended past the midway point of the of the uh, Nebraska legislature's three month session, meaning that not a listen to this, not a single bill has yet passed in the 2023 session in, in Nebraska. I, I'm laughing, but it's sad. I mean, I, I mean, thank God this woman exists. 
And you know what? We transgender people need more Michaela Kavanaugh's in America. We do. I mean, you'll hear more about that in the C block. We'll see what happens next week when they debate LB 574. And I will, you can trust me, I'll keep you apprised, okay? In the meantime, me, Ellie Krug, as a transgender person, I take some comfort in knowing that Michaela Kavanaugh is out there trying to protect my community. She's doing far more than most anyone else in America right now. Okay. All right. Uh, that takes care of that. Um, we're going to uh, – you'll hear the encore interview of Kelsey Waits, uh, which you will enjoy. She's a very powerful person. And then I'll talk to you in the C block on the other end. Thanks. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, Ellie 2.0 Radio at AM 950. We're back on LE 2.0 Radio, AM 950. So, check out Joe Madison if you haven't uh, done that before. Um, a true idealist. And now, for the big interview, I have another extraordinary true idealist. I have on the line with me, uh, Kelsey Waits. Kelsey, are you there? I am. Kelsey, thank you for being on LE 2.0 Radio. And... Let me just, if I can, quickly bring the audience up to date. I know many of the members of the audience will be familiar with your name and your story, but since this uh, podcast goes out across the world, I think that maybe we should do that. Kelsey, you are the mom of an eight-year-old uh, human who identifies, is it transgender or non-binary? That you're Non-binary. Non-binary. Yep. Okay, we want to make sure we have that right. And you're, um, you were um, formerly living in Hastings, Minnesota uh, with your husband and uh, your young eight-year-old human and uh, also another child. You were on the school board. You were the president of the school board in Hastings. You ran for re-election this past summer. And in the course of that election, a group of people who opposed uh, your continuation on the school board um, outed your your young human, your non-binary eight-year-old. They, they outed the fact that you had that, that child and they outed the fact that the child was non-binary and that created quite a controversy in Hastings. And I'm going to just summarize very quickly here, but your campaign um, as a result suffered and you did not um, get reelected to the school board in Hastings. Do I have all of that right? Yep, that is all correct. And it was the, 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 the problem with all of that, of course, is that it raised safety concerns for you and your family, and eventually you had to move. I mean, literally, your family had to sell a house that you loved in Hastings and move away. Do I have that right? Yes. Um, that, was a really, that was a really difficult choice for us. Um, but I had already known where a number of people in our neighborhood stood on LGBTQ issues, given my role uh, in politics. And once we were outed, uh, it just did not feel safe anymore. Okay. All right. Kate, uh, Kelsey, 
I want to just say before we go any further, I feel so incredibly bad that this happened to you and your family. And, 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 and I, I'm just so sorry that it did. But I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted, I wanted people to understand something that happened this week between you and me. Um, and, and we were together at an event. And I wanted people to hear from you, Kelsey, about where you are right now and what you have taken away from that experience that I just laid out. And so please add to the story um, that I've, you know, that I've shared so far with the audience, add what you think that you need to for context and tell us how is that sitting with you today in January of 2022? So I think, to be honest, I have good days and bad days with how it's sitting with me. Some mm-hmm. days are are good. Some days are, are not quite there. Um, it's been painful. It's been a painful number of months. Um, you know, my child was outed to a group of about 500 parents on Facebook, and they were 500 parents who had already been hostile towards me as chair of the school board, uh, given the masking decisions that schools were making this past summer. And so it was really not a safe group to be outed to. And even if it weren't a safe group, you know, this is something so private in an individual's life um, that it, it was always, it was Kit's story to share. It was our story to share. It was no one's business but ours. Um, and to have it weaponized in that way and to have Kit's identity politicized, um, it, was, it was a huge betrayal um, for me and not just from the people who did it, but from the hundreds of people that were in that group and saw what was happening and chose to say nothing. Um, Even though I did receive notes from a couple people privately saying they were disgusted, but they wouldn't put anything public. They wouldn't stand up. And that hurt just as much. And so, yeah, we had taken our story public because our story isn't unique. Um, We recognize that um, transgender people, LGBTQ people, they're outed frequently. Their identities are politicized frequently, and people need to be aware of the danger in doing that and the harm it causes. And so we chose to share our story so that others didn't have to. And and you did. I mean, your story showed up on CNN on a Sunday uh, morning and then went viral across the country to various uh, different news organizations and outlets. And I know that this is not the very, I mean, you've done multiple media interviews um, with, you know, a number of different sources. Tell, can I ask before we go any further, how is your eight-year-old human kit doing? How are they doing? They're adjusting. Um, it's, I mean, to be expected, our new house is not our old house. Right. Um, you know, in their old bedroom, I had hand-painted murals on the walls and it was just, it was filled with so much love and memories, and it takes time to build that up in a house. Yep. And so um, I think that's the hardest part um, for Kit. Their friends have been supportive, which is fantastic. They were very afraid of that. Um, they cried and cried, thinking their friends would no longer like them because they felt like they had been lying to their friends. And it was a tough conversation to have with an eight-year-old to say, you're not lying to your friends. They know you as Kit. You're Kit. How is that a lie? 
Um, mm. But they're conversations you have to have with an eight-year-old. So it was hard. But everyone is adjusting. And like myself, we have good days and bad. So, Right, right. And, and <clears throat> you know, and Kelsey, I'm just, again, so sorry about the experience. Let's, but let's talk a little bit about the city of Hastings, okay? You know, mm-hmm. Hastings, for those who don't know, located on the Mississippi River. It's about 35 miles south of the Twin Cities, south, uh, southwest. It's a town of what, about 20,000 people? Yep. A very nice, scenic town. Um, and it's a town that, you know, I have spoken at before. I mean, um, and we'll get to in the next segment about how what happened uh, this past week where you and I communicated with each other. But, you know, it, I mean, Hastings has always struck me as a town trying to do the right thing, trying to be open and trying to be diverse. But then there's backlash. There's there's a, an element of reticence in the community. Do you do you think I mischaracterized that at all? No, I think there is, but I think we also see a lot in Hastings that we see other places that they think making a statement is enough, um, that that's all the work that's needed, rather than recognizing the true work that needs to happen to make a community inclusive. And Hastings has a history of of issues um, generally around uh, racial discrimination and harassment and such. Um, But Hastings does have that history, and it's something that people don't want to look at and people don't want to talk about. And I think that does a lot of harm. Um, They would like to keep that idealized picture of themselves without looking deep in to how to fix it. And so I think there are leaders popping up that are wanting to do this work, but I do think that many of the leaders don't understand just how much work it's going to take. Right. Right. Okay. Well, Kelsey, we've got to take a break. And when we come back, I want to, I want to talk more about your experience in Hastings, but how it has shaped you, because it seems that it's really shaped you even more as an idealist than what you were previously. And, um, and talk about, uh, you know, what, how you and I interacted this week at an event where I, where I spoke. Okay. So okay. give us a break. We're going to take a break. Uh, audience members, we're listening, we're speaking with uh, Kelsey Waits, uh, the mother of an eight year old non binary human who was outed during the course of Kelsey's uh, campaign for re election to the Hastings School Board. When we come back, we'll speak more with Hastings. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on AM 950. Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Um, We're in the midst of the big interview with Kelsey Waits, uh, who um, had a very, very um, horrific experience um, when she was running uh, last year in Hastings for re-election to the school board when her eight-year-old non-binary young human um, was outed by community members. Kelsey... Um, let's go to uh, what happened this week, okay? Now, 
Um, you know, uh, I, th- I think you know this about me. I, I, I am one of those people that when I see that things go on, I, I ask if I can help. And uh, so when your story broke with CNN, um, and frankly, I was not aware of the story. I was not aware of what was going on before the story in CNN. I reached out to um, the YMCA in Hastings, which has previously sponsored me because I was in Hastings two uh, two years ago last no you know in November yep. um, in November of 2019 I, I went to Hastings to speak because there had been an incident about marginalizing of transgender people and I went and spoke to 140 people to talk about what it meant to be transgender and by the way I thought that that was Actually, we had a lot of people that were from intolerant communities in the audience, and I thought that it went mm-hmm. extremely well. And so when your story broke, I went to back to my sponsor, um, the YMCA in Hastings, an organization called Thrive Hastings. Could I come and, and help again? And they, they were happy to have me come back. And so what uh, you and I did, and, another, and a number of other people, I had an event where I spoke on Wednesday night, um, I gave a talk called Bridging the Divide, Bridging uh, the Divide, uh, uh, Perspectives on Grit, Resiliency, and the Four Commonalities, where I talked about how we can get past our divisions. Kelsey, you were in the audience on the Zoom, and so were 109 other people. I mean, it was a big crowd. And um, let me ask you, what, 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 and you spoke early on in that, in that Zoom, and you were so incredibly eloquent you were, because you spoke about hope and grit. And Kelsey, I've got to just tell you, when you did that, you set the tonality for the rest of the 90 minutes that I gave that talk. Okay, I, I want you to know that. You set that tone. You were powerful in what you said. So first question, what did you think of the event? Did you... Did it, did it give you hope? Because I was amazed, I don't know about you, but I was amazed by the number of people who had transgender humans in their lives. They're on that Zoom. Yeah, I, you know, the thing that actually gave me the most hope is I went into the list of participants, and there were some names on there that I haven't seen at other events before and that I know have struggled uh, with understanding transgender individuals. Uh, with wanting to support transgender individuals, and I saw their names on there, and they stayed the whole time. Wow. And for me, that spoke volumes, because I know they were there to learn. I reached out to one of them afterwards and actually said, please know that you can contact me if you ever have any questions, because I know that this is something you've struggled with. And I'm here to talk if you ever need someone. And for me, that was, and I know it's, it's because we told our story and to see people that had never wanted to be engaged in this topic before beyond that Zoom on Wednesday gave me a lot of hope. Great. That is, that is the whole point after all, of course, right? Let's Mm -hmm. get people to a point where we can engage without running away and without attacking. And by the way, I mean, every, it was, it was a very friendly, I mean, it was all respectful, everything that was said, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I was very impressed by the level of engagement. 
But you talked about hope, okay? How did this happen? How did, how did hope for you, and I know that you say you have your good days and your bad days, but Kelsey, you understand. I mean, it's rather extraordinary that you have good days, given, mm-hmm. given all that you went through, your family went through, poor Kit went through. How did hope show up? And I, this is so important for our audience right now to hear from you about that. Hope gets me out of bed in the morning. I feel like if I didn't have hope, I don't, I don't know where I would be right now. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what I would be doing. I have to hope. I have to believe that there's a better future. And it's, I think maybe it would be different if it was my own identity, but I feel like it's, it's for my child. I can't give up. This is their future. This is the future of transgender kids. And as I talked about on the meeting on Wednesday, you know, transgender students, almost 50% of them will attempt suicide. And that's five times greater than non-transgender students. And more and more research is showing by supporting these kids, you're saving them. You're, you're saving their lives, and whether that's supporting them at home or if their home isn't supportive, making sure the school yep. environment is supportive, making yep. sure the community is supportive. These kids need to be loved, and they need to be loved for who they are, not, not based on some societal construct. They just need to be yep. loved, and they need to know that they're loved and supported. And I maintain hope because these kids need me to keep hoping to keep believing that there's something bigger and better because that hope is what moves me to actually try to bring that to life. The belief that it could be better is why we work for it to be better. Right. Kelsey, do you, do you agree with me that there are far more trans and non-binary humans in the world than anybody realizes? Oh yes. And I think What we're seeing is that, you know, with the rise of the Internet, with increased visibility, people are able to see that so much earlier than they used to, to understand it, to build connections, to survive past puberty so that I, I can't even imagine, you know, we know the statistics now for suicide rates. I can't even imagine what it was before, you know, we started. Um, this increased visibility and support and really raising awareness, it breaks my heart. And I have to believe that we're making it better. So uh, two other questions, okay? And by the way, I could talk with you for like two hours. I just want you to know that, <laughs> all right? Um, okay. and, and we will have chats off air. Um, but first question is, um, I saw today on Twitter that you had posted about um, pausing uh, your PhD studies because mm-hmm. you need to engage in activism. And so tell me, tell me more about that, if you would. What, what kind of activism are you speaking about and, and uh, how, far, how close were you to getting uh, your uh, PhD? Uh, this was going to be my last semester of classes, oh. and then it was going to be 
you know, working on dissertation. So who knows how long that would have taken. Um, but I guess all of these events have really just had me questioning what I was going to study in school, where do I want to focus, and so I need that time anyway for myself. But I I always knew that there was activism, that I was an activist, and that I would want to be doing this work. And the last couple months have just shown me that my time is now. This is, yep. this is when I can do this work. Um, I don't need to wait until I'm done with my degree. My kid needs me to do this now. Other kids need me to do this now. And that's more important than finishing a degree is working to make this world better. Um, so the PhD will wait, or maybe it won't. Maybe I won't go back. Who knows? Um, but what I know is I'm called for something more right now. <laughs> wow. Okay. So sec the second question, and my audience members always know that this is the last question I ask, or at least close to the last, and that is this, Kelsey. What made you an idealist? Now, you were idealistic before this, and maybe I'm, you know, maybe you don't agree with that, but I mean, you ran for the school board, um, and were you, you were homeschooling your children. Do I have that right? Yeah, Kit wasn't old enough for school, so I was homeschooling my oldest child when okay. I first ran, Okay. I guess. Yeah. Okay. But so you went and you decided you were going to get involved with the community. You were going to get on the school board. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, ha what made you an idealist in the first place? What happened in your life growing up or, or what to make you want to make the world a better place? You know, my dad will tell you that I've always been this way. <laughs> um, you know, I talked at the age of 12 about wanting to go to an East Coast school and maybe become president one day and just help everyone. And I think, you know, we grew up in a very income insecure home. My mom was a single mom by the time I was a teenager and she has MS. And so there were a lot of times where she would be hospitalized. And so we'd have hospital bills, but no income coming in. And we received a lot of help. Uh, you know, we had community members come and fix our roof. We had the church bought us groceries, and in fact, my mom had a garage sale and sold some of her favorite belongings to buy me the plane ticket to go to college. Oh. And so for my whole life, there's been helpers, and the recognition that we don't get anywhere on our own, whether those helpers are visible or invisible, they're there, and there's a support, and I knew then I wanted to support. And my mom asked me when I went for college, she said, Kelsey, just promise me that one day you'll pay it forward. Everything that helped us, everyone who helped us, just promise you'll pay it forward. And that's stuck with me. Um, and so that's, that's been my goal. Well, Kelsey, I just want you to know, all right, there is so much paying forward that you've already done, but I you know, I don't know, you know, I barely know you, but I am very confident you will be doing far more paying forward in the years to come. I, I feel it in my bones. And I just want you to know, I mean, I'm, you know, however I can ever help you, okay? You know, um, I'm here for you, all right? And 
I just want you to know, all right, there are so many people that care about you and your family. So many people that just, you know, and you're right, they're afraid to speak up. They're afraid to do things. But remember, I do believe that 98% of all humans have good empathetic (laughs) hearts. I really do. You know, my audience, by the way, has heard me say that frequently. Um, and, yeah. they, and they know the other part, about 2% sociopath. But, but listen, um, just hang in there, okay? And just keep doing and go do what it is that you're doing. All right? I will. Okay. I wish you the best. I wish your family the best. And let Kit know that I said hello, okay? <laughs> I will. Thank you so much for having me on the show today and for just having a conversation. Kelsey. You are wonderful. You're very welcome, Kelsey. Thank you so very much. Okay, listeners, uh, that was Kelsey Waits. uh, And I trust that that will be an interview you will not easily forget. When we come back, we're going to do the C block. I'm going to talk about some things and... uh, And then that'll be it. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a sec. We're back. <laughs> AM nine fifty. I hope, I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing again. Um, maybe you hadn't heard it the first time. Uh, Kelsey waits. Um, I think you'll agree after listening to her. You know, um, very strong person. And I'm here to tell you, okay, that's not the last that you're going to hear of Kelsey waits. I predict that we're going to hear about Kelsey waits here in Minnesota. In a variety of ways in the future. So stay tuned. And uh, quite the idealist as well. Trust me. I, I, she has become a friend of mine. And uh, I really believe in her and what she's capable of doing. All right. My C block here. I uh, got a hodgepodge of things to talk to you about. Okay. So first thing um, is my work as an idealist. Of course, that's what I usually talk about in this C block and and uh, yesterday got the opportunity to go talk to a gay straight alliance at one of the schools in my school district out in Carver County and uh, you know it was uh, middle schoolers um, so I had sixth to eighth graders in the room and uh, you know let me just tell you you know you you go in there and and you you're just amazed by the intelligence, the sense of humor, the vigor of these kids. And, um, and yet again, you may recall I, this happened to me um, about a month ago when I was at another GSA, also in my school district. Um, and yet again, when I asked, what are you thinking about? You know, what's on your mind? The young human to my left immediately said Florida. I mean, she just said, Florida. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, what they're doing down in Florida. And she says, it's, you know, it's horrible and it's, and it, and it's making me afraid. And I said, how do you, how do you, 
know about Florida? She's like, you know, the internet <laughs> was her very quick answer. And so if anybody thinks that our young humans, you know, are all preoccupied simply by, you know, TikTok videos of cats doing dances, you know, or of, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever else, okay? They're not. They're paying attention to what's going on in the world. They are, and particularly in our country. And they are understanding and realizing that current leaders in many of the states in this country are literally targeting them. Literally. I mean, it's, I'm not like – it's not an exaggeration. Bill after bill. I think we're up to 400 bills in at least 39 states, including four here in Minnesota, by the way, which of course go nowhere, um, targeting LGBTQ youth, primarily transgender kids and adults. Um, I think right now I'm up to – I think I'm at two if not three states that I cannot go visit because they passed laws preventing um, people from using restrooms that don't align with their gender assigned at birth. So I will not be going to Arkansas or Florida. But by the way, I would not be going to Arkansas or Florida ordinarily anyway. But it looks like I'll have to be – at least if I go south, I'm going to have to drive around Arkansas. So there you go. But um, I, you know, uh, I, I, I talked to these kids yesterday. I explained to them. I said, you know, remember you live in Minnesota. You're protected here in Minnesota. You can go to St. Paul or Minneapolis or Rochester or Duluth. You got even extra protection through city ordinance. I said, make, you know, as you make decisions about college, bear in mind um, where you have rights and where you don't. And I predict, I do, I predict that what the Republicans, the conservative people, the intolerant people are doing right now, passing these laws, what they're doing is they are they are creating a whole migrants, internal migrants in our country who are who are just leaving those states and will never and will never come back to those states because of the intolerance. So um, there you go. Okay, on to other things that your idealistic uh, radio host here has been doing since we last spoke. So this week, uh, on Tuesday, past Tuesday, I was on Tom Hartman's show. Hey, yep. And uh, for an interview, uh, talking about what's going on in America as, uh, uh, you know, as transgender people are being uh, marginalized and all these laws being passed against us. It was just a 10-minute interview. And if everyone, anyone really knows me, you know that I can barely say my name in 10 minutes. Um and then it was also a video, so it's a video that goes onto the website, and so uh, thankfully I, I didn't look too bad. Um, and um, but I, you know, I talked about what was going on, and uh, Tom, I, you know, I had not realized this, but he brought it up. He said, Ellie, he had only recently learned it. He said, you know, when the Nazis took power, the very first group before they went after anyone else. The very first group they went after were transgender people in Nazi Germany. <laughs> Think about that. You know, there was a, a post on Facebook that, you know, showing what today Auschwitz looks like, which is green, you know, grass and the remnants of the barracks and of the crematorium. 
But the the tagline on that video was, it didn't start with this. It ended with this. It's an important thing to understand that people get desensitized about hatred, about, you know, targeted groups. They get desensitized. We're seeing this with transgender people because, you know, in 2016, everybody was up in arms about what uh, North Carolina was doing with SB2 trying to, you know, ban transgender people from bathrooms. <clears throat> that, that's all they were trying to do. And, and, and the country was up in arms. That was one state, you know, the NCAA doesn't want to play, you know, final games there and all that kind of stuff for the March Madness. And, and concerts got canceled. Okay, so that was only seven years ago. And the country was up in arms. And go from that to where we are now with multiple state after state after state, you know, banding gender-affirming care, preventing trans kids from using uh, restrooms or or locker rooms that align with their gender identity, taking away, you know, their ability, adults' ability to, to get gender-affirming care, blocking insurance for gender-affirming care. Now you can't even go use re- – adults can't even go use restrooms. Look at that. Look at how and, – and, and there is no national outpouring about any of this. So, you know, um, history uh, – what did Twain say? It doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then on top of that, all right. So that was me being on the show. You can, uh, Brett's going to somehow get on the website a link uh, to my interview with Tom Hartman, or you can go to Tom Hartman and just Google Tom Hartman, Ellie Krug, and you'll find that interview. But Tom Hartman, tune in next week. Next Saturday, it's going to be a live show. I'm going to have Tom on my show next Saturday. Um, on the 25th, I'm hoping the math is right, okay, on Saturday the 25th of March, we will have Tom on the show. So tune in, you'll be able to talk with him, okay? All right, well, that looks like I'm out of my time. I just need to do a big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who is consummate as the professional, always. And to you, my listeners, now listen, I appreciate that you tune in. I appreciate that you share with others about this show. I appreciate that you care about what I have to say. And I know that I've been speaking a lot about transgender-related issues. And, and, and maybe some of you are like, I'm getting fatigued by this. And I'm sorry if that's the case, but I'm not going to shut up, okay? Because um, kids are going to die. They're going to take their lives. They're going to take their lives because of what's going on in America right now. And I want to do my best to prevent that from happening. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.